Welcome to the Get Ignited podcast series hosted by Beth Chesterton. This special Get Ignited podcast features part two of our conversation with Dr. Phil Woodmore, acclaimed composer, music educator, performer, and creator of soul-stirring productions that lead to heartfelt and healing conversations. It also features original cast and crew members of Antigone and Ferguson, including Durant Blaylock, DeAndrea Blaylock-Johnson, St. Louis Police Captain Latricia Allen, and Matthew Craig. Enjoy. Welcome to a Get Ignited conversation, a special conversation today. It's part two with Dr. Phil Woodmore. Um, Most of you on this call know um, Phil Woodmore is a composer. He is a producer of soul-stirring events. He's a performer himself. He's actually also somebody who knows how to create very dramatic experiences, profound experiences that change lives. And what we're going to talk about today, Phil's been joined with special guests, members of the original cast, who are going to talk about their experience traveling and working with 100,000 people with the Antigone and Ferguson Project. It's a show, an off-Broadway show that they took from St. Louis, Ferguson, in fact, to Harlem, to Greece, back to New York City, to Brooklyn. I believe many other organizations, we're gonna hear about it. I think maybe Baltimore, did you guys go to Baltimore? Twice, mm-hmm. Twice, and you worked with 100,000 audience members, and I say that because in this show, there's a very special relationship with the audience and a facilitated conversation that follows. And today, last week when we talked, Everyone was left wanting more. There is a podcast from last week we can add it to the chat where you can learn about Phil's early years. How did he become the man he is? A little bit of dabbling into Phil's early years. Uh, He didn't want to run for class president when he was a senior. He had no idea why would he do that, but the principal suggested it, and he won by a landslide. And none of us who know him are surprised because everyone who knows Phil loves Phil. And when Phil's in charge, you know you're up for something transformative, and always exciting. Today, we are joined by special guests, his original cast, as I mentioned, DeAndrea Blaylock Johnson, who is a co-facilitator of Antigone and Ferguson and also a member of Phil's P. Woodmore Music. Is that right, Phil? P. Woodmore Music? Yep. Assistant Director. We have Durance Blaylock, who happens to be related to DeAndrea. (laughs) And Durance is the lead vocalist for the choir with Antigone and Ferguson. You're gonna get to maybe hear a little bit, or you're gonna hear from each of them. And you're also gonna hear from Captain Latricia Allen, who is a member of the choir, and um, she's a member of the police force here. She's a powerhouse, and she's also a board member of P. Woodmore Music. Phil will be able to fill in the details. But Phil, I want you, you, this is your time. Um, You're our special guest. Thank you for taking the time, everyone. And Phil, take it away. Thank you, Beth. Uh, well, good morning to everyone. Um, my team and I are so excited to be back on with you this morning to have uh, some special time with you. Um, I, um, I'm so honored to have the opportunity to really discuss my show and the things that have happened in this process because it's, there is such a need for this right now in, in our community um, and in our, in our nation. And um, this is just a beautiful opportunity for my team and I to reflect on this um, process and the production and 
Um, just give a little insight on how it, what it means to us. Um, we do want to spend the time kind of sharing our experiences and being able to um, give you our perspective. Um, but we do want to um, be sensitive to where we are as a nation and as a country. Um, and the four of us, um, myself as a, as a young man of color and these three young women of color, um, we all have very different perspectives on where we are as a nation. And I'm gonna give Latricia the most time, um, just giving us her perspective um, because she is in law enforcement and does and has done a beautiful job for 30 years um, serving the St. Louis community, um, has not misstepped and done all of the crazy things that we hear in the news. So I'm going to make sure she gets her time today to, to share about um, her perspective. Um, but as we're going through the conversation, uh, we each will have um, a little bit of a different perspective to add to the conversation. And we hope that we say something today that's a takeaway for you uh, that you'll be able to have further discussion with. Um, so I do wanna pick up, especially if there's any new people on the call, um, about where we are with this uh, conversation. So we're talking about a little show called Antigone and Ferguson. Um, and Antigone and Ferguson was something that I co-created with Brian Dory's um, Theater 4 Productions up in New York um, in 2016. And uh, we kind of jumping into the conversation and talking about how Brian called me out of the blue. He was looking for a police choir um, in 2016 to help his effort in uh, building a democratic choir for this production. I uh, found my name. He called me and asked um, if I would be willing to organize a choir. I said yes. Um, I put together a magical email, as DeAndre calls it, asking um, if people would be interested in joining this effort. Um, and then Brian came back and asked me if I would uh, consider being the composer for this work. And um, as I was agreeing, um, I assumed that this would be a project that I would have about a year to create, and he actually only gave me about 30 days. <laughs> and so I wrote six songs, five of which connect with the poetry of Antigone and Ferguson, and one song I'm covered um, was an original gospel power ballad that I wrote from my heart to give something to the process DeAndre shared a beautiful story. Here, here I go. Durant shared a beautiful story last week um, about uh, the beginnings of, my, of Uncovered from her perspective, which really helped to bring into view how this organic process really brought all of us together. Um, Durant uh, took a song that I had created for myself and uh, breathed uh, spirit in it and life into it in a way that it would transcend all audiences and be able to speak to all kinds of people. Um, the beauty of the project in the Brooklyn production, which we'll get to in a few minutes, is that the audience was so mixed to have a thousand people in the room from all over the world. Um, it's just an unbelievable experience. I'll just share a little small story. We had a family that uh, came in to see the show, um, I believe two or three times. And the first time they saw it, um, the, I, I think it was the mom jumped up and grabbed the microphone and said, I just want you to know that we were in our Uber driving down the street and we heard the choir singing from the street in her Uber. She told the Uber driver to stop. They came in and watched the entire production. It was two and a half hours long because they just heard, they heard the music and they wanted to know what was going on. And they shared such beautiful comments about um, how impactful the show was for them. And yes, they came back two or three different times uh, to, time to, to see the show, which was uh, phenomenal. Uh, but we'll get to some of those stories um, in a few minutes. 
Um, so Antigone and Ferguson started out as a, uh, a little community project for the St. Louis community. We did three performances, one at Normandy High School on the, in the Little Theater, um, and we performed from the stage that Mike Brown Jr. graduated from, which was very meaningful for all of us. Um, and then we moved uh, from there and went over to the Wellsprings Church, which was just right um, near the uprising in Ferguson, and did two more performances um, to packed houses for both shows. Um, and, you know, reached over a thousand people that weekend with our production. Um, the part of the story that I got into was, um, from my point of view, um, this was a, a community weekend project for St. Louis. It was a huge success. We were all excited. Um, the Phil Woodmore Singers, who at the time had been a variety of organizations, um, were all excited to be in this space. We high-fived and went home. And um, little did we know that just two short weeks later, we would get an invite from the Onassis Center to take this project to New York. And so the beauty of this, uh, this process was we got to start off with um, a community-based performance in St. Louis on September 17th. And then I believe it was October 13th, somewhere in October, we were already in New York performing at, uh, in the lobby of the Onassis Center. Um, Durance, I'm going to pitch to you. Can you talk about um, the experience of performing in that lobby? I know my nerves for taking my show <laughs> to uh, an office building and what that would mean for a community that didn't know me and didn't know us. Uh, but could you just share a little bit about the experience um, in the lobby? And then right after Latricia, I want you to talk about your experience with Marcel specifically and how she started the process and then where we wound up at the end of the New York process. So we'll start with Durant. Okay, uh, first off, good morning, everyone. Um, going to New York for the first time with this production was, it was, what's the word I want to say? It wasn't challenging, it was, it was very exciting. It was exciting to take this uh, to um, a new audience. Um, when we got there, we were able to um, just fellowship with a new choir um, and help them learn the music, and it was great. And the choir was, uh, I want to say it's United Voices of Hope, and it was led by this beautiful bald-headed lady named Marcel Davis-Lashley. And um, we were able to fellowship, learn more about each other, and um, talk about uh, the social injustice that's not just happening in St. Louis, but also in New York and uh, the other um, people who have fallen prey to police brutality. And um, we were there for a few days. We participated in a festival. It was actually an Antigone festival that was going on at the Onassis Center. And we were that Saturday and it was an amazing experience to sing and just um, fellowship with all of those people. In, <laughs> and it wasn't even an auditorium, it was a hall. <laughs> it was literally the hall. It was the, um, the foyer to the building. And um, it was just great. It was an awesome experience and I can't wait to do it again. All right, Latricia, you're on. So, um, the ball-headed lady that Durance was talking about, Marcel's, Marcel Davis-Lashley, is this, an amazing artist in New York, born and raised um, in her mid-50s, uh, been an artist all of her life, um, brought in this choir, and she stood up 
and said, hello, my name is Marcel and I hate the police. And I had multiple officers with me and nobody, nobody responded negatively. Nobody jumped on her. We listened to her, gave her her time. And then she met this dynamic little lady named Latricia Allen. And I'll let Latricia talk about her experience with Marcel and then what happened over the course of the weekend. So good morning, everyone. I have um, such an opportunity to be a part of, of this program. And Antigone and Ferguson has really changed my life in law enforcement. But meeting Marcel was something that is inexplainable to meet and to know that people don't like you just because of how I put food on the table. Because what I've chosen in my life to do for so long to help people that somebody doesn't like me. So not only did that kind of bother me a little bit, it was like, you don't even know me not to like me, but it allowed me to take a step back and look at me from her lens, not physically and as a beautiful woman with red lipstick, but um, <laughs> to look at me as, to look at myself as a person and what I represent and how, what I do makes people feel or what people think that I do. So we, after that, we hugged, we got together and we shared just the biggest friendship from New York until now. In time, anytime anything happens in St. In St. Louis, whether minimal or significant, I know that she's going to reach out to me. She's going to call me. She's going to text me. So we created a friendship from somebody that absolutely does not like police. Uh, getting to know me and getting to know who I am instead of judging me based upon the previous experiences and what's out in the media. I have to be real honest right now. Phil, the last time we met, Beth, you know, I had on a uniform because I was at work. And then I started thinking that I didn't want to be limited into what I can say or how I would participate in this forum. Because at that particular time, I was on the St. Louis Police Department's dime working 12 hours a day. I'm still working 12 hours a day. I will be going to work after I leave here. And we are on 12 hours a day, but I didn't want to try to sequester what I put out there in the atmosphere as acting Captain Lisha Allen. I want to be as forthcoming uh, with you. So I had to just modify my life to be here with you today. I'm very heavy. Um, with what's going on in the nation. Yes, I cannot breathe and I cannot breathe again. What's going on in this country, uh, we need to pay attention. Yes, there should be police reform. Yes, I will say we need to defund the police in some kind of way. I'd be remiss to take this opportunity field as we talk about Antigone and Ferguson and what the play represent. If I didn't tell you what I felt today, I'm heavy, um, I'm conflicted in a way because I have 180 officers that belong to me that are on the street in this trying time, even though we know that we did not 
killed George Floyd. But I am certain that even beyond my watchful eye, beyond my stern voice, beyond what I represent as a commander, that you bet not uh, abuse anybody under the guise of working for acting Captain Latricia Allen, that there are some people out there that abuse their authority. But I have to still keep them safe because that's what I do for a living. But I, I'd be remiss to not speak about how watching protests around this country has changed me. I'd be remiss to talk and, and not speak about my friends. It's like, but they rioting, know. They're breaking up everything. They're, they're messing up their communities and businesses. We don't all know things. Riot is the, rioting is, is the language of the unheard. We have swept this problem over and over and over again under the rug, and the rug is getting lumpy. We have to talk about it. Antigone gave me the platform to talk about it. If I'm at work and I talk about it, I'm a rebel rouser. <laughs> I'm a troublemaker. I am a troublemaker. I am a rebel rouser. I treat people fair and accordingly. But in this season, in this season of Antigone and Ferguson, I'm heavy. I can't even believe I'm on this call with you all today because I'm tired of even talking about it. Y'all know what the problem is. Police brutality is a problem in this country and I have been a St. Louis police officer for 31 years and six months and four days. Thank you, okay. Latricia. This, this was beautiful, beautiful. And thank you for those powerful words. Um, <clears throat> I've just been so blessed. I just want to take the opportunity as, as we're going around to talk with my team. I've just been so blessed to meet these wonderful and powerful women, um, these women of God who have put their put themselves in a position to share their truth in such a dynamic way. And um, as a, a man growing up and being able to have a voice for the community, which, you know, Beth and I talked uh, last week about how I didn't really know my true voice when I was growing up. People were telling me my skills and my talents and what I had in me. And it really wasn't until I had reached, um, <clears throat> I would say four or five years into my professional career and I was working with four or five different organizations and people were viewing me as a leader um, and understanding uh, that my leadership skills and qualities were of value that I was able to step into that. And as I stepped into that, I was able to meet a DeAndrea Blaylock who came on the scene and said, we're, gonna, we're going to run this, this choir at St. Louis University together, who came in and said, I'm here to support you. I'm not your enemy. Things, I never had friendships like that, so I didn't know that. You know, last week I mentioned that DeAndre and I started off and we just really didn't care for each other. And it was probably mostly me because I never had somebody I could confide in like DeAndrea to say that we're, we're going to be a team and we're going to do this together and we're going to run this organization. And when I realized that 
we were able to really take uh, the Melody of Praise Gospel Ensemble to a whole different place. It was a choir organization at SLU that had been dormant for many years. It was started, I think, 30 years before we had gotten there and it kind of fallen off. And we were able to put it back on the map. We traveled, we toured, we did concerts with other schools. Um, that is, I met DeAndre and then I met her sister Durance who has supported me. And Durance is such a beautiful spirit. She supported me because DeAndre supported me. She met, she met me, she sang at one of my concerts. She showed up, she delivered her talents all the time because we asked. And it just, that was all just something that was ordained in the early thousands, 2000 to 2005, that then came back in 2013 when I needed singers for this concert at Fifi Baptist. They were both there to support me 100%. Uh, Latricia came on the scene in 2009 with the police choir and was just such a supportive uh, person from jump, saw my spirit, saw my heart, and helped me to shape that. And now is my big sister, make sure that I'm good, make sure everything is going well, make sure that as I'm moving forward, she's going through what she's going through and she will call me to make sure that I'm good and what I have going on because that's her heart. And so it's just, I just wanted to take that two minutes to just say it's an amazing, um, I'm thankful to have such an amazing team around me and people that I can help move forward in this conversation. Um, so before we go to DeAndre, I just wanna kind of move the Antigone story along a little bit um, to really give perspective to what Latricia is saying. And so in the Antigone and Ferguson project, uh, uh, going back to New York, uh, we, we really knew that there was something special going on here when we could present this music, present this text, and have this conversation in this very sterile lobby of an office building and turn it into a warm spiritual place where people felt safe. It was standing room only. There was probably about, I don't know, a couple hundred seats there. And it was a, just a mob of people standing around watching this presentation. Some people came in off the street, um, to just see what was going on. It was just a beautiful experience. And so after we left there, uh, we went around the country. We went to universities. We went to, you know, the, the trip to Greece, which if we have time on this call later, we might come back and talk about Greece because that in and of itself was just such a dynamite experience. Um, the most impactful one for me was when we went to Brownsville, Brooklyn. So Brian uh, wanted to set up shop on a basketball court. And every time, you know, Brian's not on here to defend himself, but every time Brian has a wild idea, we all just kind of side eye him and say, okay, well I do. And then I send the email and they side eye me. <laughs> but um, Brian wanted to go set up on this basketball court. And he said, um, you know, I just want to do this in a very underserved, underprivileged community. And Brownsville is at the top of the list, uh, crime and, and all of it. And uh, so we set up shop. Um, that was, might have been, or one of the last opportunities we got to work with the late Reg Kathy, a phenomenal actor who premiered the show as Creon and just breathed so much life into that character and gave us the experience of all of those words. I just, I've never experienced that in person from many people. And just everything that came out of his mouth was, was just with such power. Uh, so the, the late Reg Kathy, um, and uh, I was in that situation. You guys can help me out later if you want to. But um, we set up shop outside, and we looked up, and people were watching from their windows. They had opened their windows. They were sitting on the rooftops of buildings all in the area. And so the 1,000 people that were sitting there were experiencing this, but it really was for the community. 
And that was what was life-changing for me, to set up shop in a community where we could uh, just have a message go out to uh, even somebody walking down the street that might just stop for 10 minutes and hear something that, that, that's a takeaway for them. And so <clears throat> this project just grew and grew and grew and grew. And then um, I, I don't want to take too much time, but I just have to say, when I got a phone call to say that my show that I had written two years later was... Um, about to go to an off-Broadway theater. I just, I can't even really describe that. I can't describe what that feeling was. I can't describe how to process that. Um, that in just a short manner of time, I went from having a community-based show to a professional show in an off-Broadway theater. So we set up shop in, 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 uh, at the Harlem stage in New York and uh, really learned what the professional side of this uh, production was. Um, I was a little nervous that this show would not be able to be performed every night, five times a week for all these different people and have the same meaning. And it really was. To sit in and have those conversations, and we'll talk, I'll let each of us talk a little bit about those stories in a few minutes, was just unreal to be able to sit in and see how those stories just kept coming and coming and coming. There's a woman there that had been a part of a genocide and was fleeing from um, uh, just uh, uh, things that were going on in her country. Um, there were profe there were famous singers there. It was it was just all kinds of people that came in to be a part of the conversation. Um, so uh, one of our uh, team members is on the call and he's probably upset I'm about to put a spotlight on him. But um, we have uh, Matt Craig on here who has done our sound from uh, pretty much day one and uh, is a phenomenal sound engineer. Um, this is the gentleman that was my co-collaborator on the um, I'm Covered project, the virtual choir I just did, that got me that um, beautiful mix of music that you guys heard. We're collaborating now on our second virtual choir that'll be out in a few weeks. I'll just mm. make it a tease so you'll listen and, and be looking for it. Um, but I just wanna give Matt Craig, Craig an opportunity um, to just talk about what Antigone has meant to him as he's kind of created sound for us um, and what this means beyond his job as the sound person. So give him a few minutes. Sure. Um, thank you, Phil. Uh, I, I, I didn't know what I was walking into, uh, when I first joined this project. I, I was a house guy, um, at the, at Harlem stage. I was called because I had just had an opening, uh, and somebody called, uh, the production manager there called me and said, Hey, do you want, you know, five weeks of work or seven weeks of work or whatever it ended up being? And uh, I said, sure, <laughs> why not? And man, from the minute you guys started loading in and we were trying to figure out where to put that Hammond and we were trying to figure out how to put the choir and then the voices opened up and the, the piece started coming together. It was just it, a little bit mind blowing. And then we got an audience in there and then the stories started coming out. And then it happened night after night. The performances, the Blaylock sisters, the Captain Allen, now, uh, just like getting to know all of you and just 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 being a part of it has just been incredible. I, I don't have a whole lot really to say because I'm just kind of in awe of you all, and it's just been a real honor to support you guys and to and to take it 
as far as we can take it. We, we then moved from uh, Harlem stage in that run. We went off and did a, a Brooklyn run, which um, I, maybe Phil has already talked about a little bit. And that was a solid 10 weeks of shows, same sort of schedule. And every show is different. The voices, the, the stories, the power, the relation to the community, the way that, the way that people became vulnerable in a way that was really, really inspiring. I, it's just a level of, of, for me, it was just like a level of human connection that I just was honored to be in service of. That's, that's all I got. <laughs> and that was the, the, exactly what I need. Thank you, Matt. And thank you for bringing up that human connection because that's really hard to describe. People just don't understand when you walk into that space, how things just start to shape and form together. Uh, so one of my first ideas, I've had many little small nuances to this process that I've just uh, kind of thought uh, would be uh, of use here. One of my first ideas was to begin the show with a few gospel tunes. And I thought that if we started with a little bit of gospel music, that would help get the audience engaged right at the beginning. Uh, most of my choir are uh, church people and no gospel music. Don't let me get Latricia started on some gospel music. She'll talk the whole 30 minutes. Um, and so having us to sit with this gospel music um, at the beginning, it just, it feels good. It sits right in your spirit. It's comforting. It's familiar. And before we get into such a heavy conversation, a heavy topic, we can start there with a firm foundation. And I just have to be honest, this gospel music has gotten many people in the door. So person after person, when we were in Brooklyn, uh, the point of going to, so the Harlem stage was um, you know a, an off Broadway? It was a Union Theater, all those things, and so we were under a lot of you know jurisdiction, a lot of red tape. Uh, but we, when we went to the Saint Anne and um, and Holy Episcopal Church, Holy Trinity Episcopal Church, um, the point was to just have the doors of the church open, and that's Brian's thing. The doors of the church are open, so we went in there. The doors stayed open the whole time, and so many people trickled in because they heard us singing. They heard the singing. They wanted to know what was going on, and so they just showed up. And I mean, that was story after story. Um, the the I, I have a few main stories I want to tell before we get off the call, and one of them is about a gentleman that just kind of showed up because he heard the music. But I'll save that uh, for in a few minutes. Uh, but yes, uh, Matt, thank you so much for talking about that human connection because that, that space that's created around that, starting with that warm-up music, which. You know, is the invocation if we're in church, right? Right, friends? It's, it's the, inviting, the inviting in of the Holy Spirit to help unite us right when we start because we are about to take on a very heavy topic and we're about to have a very insightful conversation that can go any direction. Um, so, yes, uh, those, were, those were things that I witnessed as well as a part of this process that really add a unique flair, a unique flair to what we're doing. Um, okay, so I think I want to shift. Thank you, Matt, for taking us to Brooklyn. Um, <clears throat> we have, we could talk for hours about all this, but I do want to move to Brooklyn and spend uh, pretty much the rest of our time there because the power of what happened while we were in Brooklyn is, is paramount. Um, I do want to acknowledge that we were able to get, um, uh, Trish, was it about two or 300 officers when we did that, the, when we worked with the Brooklyn Division of the Police? I think it was a couple hundred, two or 300 officers. Oh, this, well, this is a great story. So we decided to have a performance in a nightclub, and it was early in the morning, and we showed up for um, our sound check, and they were still cleaning up 
the nightclubs are sweeping up the cups and mopping the floors and putting away the alcohol and, you know, getting all the stuff put up for us to come in and have church in just a couple hours. So we were like, hurry up, get that done, setting up chairs. So we went in there and got organized. And um, then in comes about a, a couple hundred officers um, from, a, uh, from Brooklyn to be a part of our show and to have a conversation about policing in New York. Again, beautiful experience, beautiful opportunity. Officers feeling like they have a platform that they can be honest and share their pain and share their frustration. And Latricia, I just have to give a shout out to Latricia who is working full time in St. Louis, servicing a community and takes the time to travel with me everywhere I go. And she's not traveling with me just to get a check. Latricia will go with me if I, it doesn't matter about money. Latricia went to Arizona with me and had to pay money because I needed choir members to go into Arizona and sing with me. And so Latricia has supported in that way as well, being, being there, giving up her time to make sure that we're able to have this experience together. And I'll just go do the same with DeAndrea. DeAndrea's job is, not, is no less what she's doing with her social work and uh, what she's doing with her therapy sessions and how she travels with me. Um, I, I think I mentioned last time, but I'll mention Durant's. Oh, no, I was talking to Beth. So um, I, t I just told Beth this beautiful story that uh, Durant signed on to this project from day one. And I just have to say, nobody can sing I'm Covered Like Durant's. Maybe I shouldn't say that publicly since it's going to be a podcast <laughs> and somebody might, might challenge us. But I'll stand, I'll stand with it. Nobody sings I'm Covered Like Durant. So you, you can find me if you want. And Durant has come into this scenario and supported in the best way that she could. She discussed her illness last week and working through her illness and getting herself better so she could come back and perform. She, she made sure that she took the time to recover so she could come back and to perform. And to be honest, she came back probably before she should have, but she moved forward in faith, making sure that she got on the stage to perform this, this, this music, this show, because that's how meaningful it is to her. And um, I was telling Beth, um, well, Durant and DeAndrea, but Durant has only missed one performance, and it was so that she could fly back to St. Louis uh, to bury one of her relatives. That was the only reason she missed the performance and came right back. And so, I mean, again, going back to the commitment of these people in this, in this process, I just wanted to throw that in there, too. So um, anyway, so we get to Brooklyn. Um, we're doing this 10-week run. We get set up. Um, we start working through this process. And the beauty of collaborating with these different choirs. And so another thing that I like to do is I uh, audition a core group of, of singers. Um, and then I bring in some people from my original cast. So we have a core group of about 20 performers. And then we invite in a community choir every week to participate with us. So each week is different from all angles. So we have new singers, we have new actors, we have new audience members. And so every show has a unique feel. It just doesn't get laborious because we're really going into a lot of unique experiences. And so we met a lot of singers. You know, I was telling Beth that we um, have, we've had to have worked over a couple thousand um, singers and musicians over, you know, the course of this time. Uh, Williams College, oh my God, we, we showed up to 110 of the most beautiful voices that had learned my music in the most artistic and refined way. And we felt a little like, we were a little intimidated. We walk in and these people, I mean, they are jamming. And, you know, then we go to Morgan State, HBCU, and the beauty of that, of that organization and them singing my music. So we've just really gotten to work with some amazing um, choral organizations. Um, okay, DeAndrea, you're on. Um, I think 
at this point, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna share about Miss um, Carr and Mike Brown's mom or my two big stories. Uh, but anything that was striking to you, if one of you three can share about that 90-something-year-old woman that got up and gave us that, that beautiful testimony and dance at the end, I don't have the story straight in my head. I would love that one. But, DeAndre, I just want a couple of your responses to your time at Brooklyn and what it means to you, anything that stuck with you while we were there. Okay, perfect. Good morning, everyone. Um, again, my name is DeAndrea Blaylock-Johnson, and just very glad to be here and very um, grateful to have been included in this project. So there were a couple of things. One, Phil, you mentioned the actors that were um, part of our first performance in Brooklyn, the um, on the playground in Brownsville. It was kind of like a wire reunion. It was Reggie Cathy, Sonia Sohn, um, Deirdre Lovejoy and Frankie Faison. And um, also another thing that you mentioned was, um, and, and this is something specifically from the Brooklyn experience that I hadn't really thought about. And in the conversations afterward, it came to me, within most uh, Christian denominations, there's a particular order of service. And I'm not sure that it was intentional, but the way Antigone and Ferguson kind of flows, it, it really goes in line with that. Um, there's the invocation, which is the uh, gospel music that's played before the prelude. And then um, usually there's a scriptural reading of some sort. And I look at that as being the actual work, uh, the um, Sophocles Antigone. And then you have sharing of the word, which would be um, a preacher exhorting. And I look at the conversation that we have amongst ourselves as really that sharing, really that um, wrestling with uh with the words that we've just heard and really trying to find our own interpretation and our own meaning that makes sense for us. Um, following that, uh, you would have like an invitation. And uh, that's also part of the conversation, making sure that everyone does feel welcome. Um, I mentioned last time that what we try to create is a brave space, not necessarily just a safe space because uh, being safe, um, is important. However, there's not always a challenge in that space. And uh, I do provide challenges within our conversations, but I try to provide them in a way that doesn't necessarily feel confrontational if it doesn't need to be. But if there are some ideas that are brought up then I do want to provide an opportunity for us to wrestle with those. Um, and then after the invitation, you have the benediction, and we would always end with uh, uh, Miss Marcel singing, uh, Thank You, Lord. And it was uh, kind of like a party. You know, Miss Marcel, she has a way of interacting with the audience. She would sing to people. She grabbed their hands. She danced with them, you know. And so where even though we just had this really intense conversation, we were still able to leave with some type of commonality. And so um, really connecting the way in which we do things in church. Um, and like I said, even though that connection may have been inadvertent, seeing that connection was really eye-opening for me. And I do remember mentioning that during the um, the conversations that we had at Brooklyn at the during this last run. Some other things that uh, really came up for me was uh, the necessity of this conversation. Even though Sophocles wrote this 
over 2,500 years ago and had no idea that um, <laughs> we would be discussing it, that we would pair it with an art form that had not been created yet at that time, pairing his words with gospel music. And just the fact that the themes that were brought up in Antigone are still relevant today. Like all of those things um, continue to resonate with me. And it lets me know a few things. One, that there's really nothing new under the sun. Um, but that these topics, even if we are able to overcome them or transcend them in some way, uh, there will always be the necessity to discuss various issues, whether it relates to um, racism, whether it relates to sexism, um, any, any of the other ills that really plague our society. And so, um, yeah, I just... I, I think outside of uh, my sister singing, I'm covered. <laughs> um, my favorite thing about this work is the conversation. I'm grateful to have the opportunity to serve as a facilitator of the conversation. Um, but that's definitely one of my favorite things because it changes. No performance is the same. No conversation is the same. And it, it definitely depends on who's in the audience. Sometimes we as performers are challenged. I remember um, not opening night, but the second night that we performed in New York, we had some people who were frontline protesters from Ferguson. And um, they mentioned like how they felt offended by some of it. And I appreciated their information because it further informed how we performed later. It, um, we actually changed some things within our presentation. And I'm so grateful that they felt comfortable enough to share their input. Um, and that the producers of the show, Phil and Brian, they were willing to kind of flex with that and sit with it and say, okay, how can we make this better? And um, yeah, so I could keep talking, but I'm going to stop there. <laughs> but, um, but so many, so many um, different things uh, come up specifically with the conversation. I'm just grateful that mm -hmm. this isn't just a performance to make you feel good. It's a performance to make you think and a performance to really challenge deeply held beliefs that you may have so that we can be better people. Thank you, Deandre. That was amazing. And I just want to follow that up with um, this right there um, shares the need of this production and this performance because it puts us all in this brave space, as Deandrea says, to sit down and start a conversation that's necessary without having to have those strange icebreakers. Like this is the icebreaker. You sit down, you go through so many things. And I, I like, I mean, Durance is the home run at the end. People, people have sat there stiff the whole time and right at the end, when Durance comes and gives us I'm covered is whenever people are able to release that. They're able to release emotionally. They're able to release spiritually. They're able to find the words. Um, oh, my God. We've had the beautiful, most beautiful little seven, eight-year-old, nine-year-old children that have taken the microphone and gotten up and have spoken life over the entire audience in front of hundreds of people that a child would just get up with something to say and shared the most beautiful things to our elders, which I was mentioning earlier. There was a woman, uh, I think she was in her late nineties, right? Ladies like 90, she was like 96 or seven something. And she got up, 
She stood up, no walker, no cane. She stood up, got the microphone, walked out to the middle of the room, and she led with that. And she said, you know, I'm 97 years old, got a standing ovation, and just, oh, just gave us the most beautiful testimony. The part that's sticking with me was she was saying, how she's been paying for her her grave plot for all of these years, and all the people that said they were going to bury her have now died. And so she's outlived all these people that were going to bury her and the undertaker, and she just went on and on and on. And then to end the show, she got up and danced with Robert Crenshaw, one of my chorus members, when we were singing Thank You at the at the end of the production. And so to have moments like that, you know, or just, or, or life-changing just to witness that. And, um, you know, I'm a strong believer in the wisdom of our elders and being respectful of our elders and, and really listening to what they have to share. And for that reason, that was a beautiful moment. Um, speaking of which, we had a woman at, in the Harlem Stage Show that got up and said, uh, was she, she, I believe she was the first black woman to be a flight attendant. Was that what it, what it, what it was? Um, and she changed that, uh, changed that movement in the flight industry. Um, and so uh, just to see these different nuances in the show have just brought so much life to the things that we're doing. Um, I want to just share two brief stories and then I'll do any final comments uh, from Latricia and, and Durance before we get off. Um, but the first thing that I wanted to just share with everyone as uh, we went through this Brooklyn experience is meeting uh, Mrs. Gwen Carr. So Gwen Carr was invited to our production um, one evening. Um, and for those of you that don't know, Gwen is the mother, Mrs. Carr is the mother of Eric Garner, the first young man who was choked to death um, in New York. And um, to just be in the room, um, I, I, I wish I had the time to let each of the women respond to this, but I'll just speak for all of us. To be in the room and hear her say that did something. It was, it was a little different than watching something on CNN. To have a woman get up in front of us and share that she has experienced that trauma and how she's dealing with it really did something. It did something to me, it did something to all of us. And the, the beauty and the grace and the class and the encouragement that she gave us as an audience as she's dealing with major trauma and the, and the loss of a child, um, the senseless loss of a child was all inspiring. Um, and she actually came back again with um, her organization, the Mothers of the Movement. And in that opportunity, we were able to meet 30 mothers who had lost um, children to uh, police brutality, and one of them was Mike Brown's mom. So Leslie came and was a part of that experience, and we got to, to share with her, which was just a beautiful opportunity. And so having, having those two opportunities to, to sit with those, those people that are, that are hurting, that are bleeding on the inside, and share this experience with them so they can speak their truth, so they can try to find a way to begin to heal uh, through the music, through the experience, through the opportunity was mind blowing. And then the last one that I talk about in my book was uh, the couple that uh, came in and the, the, the gentleman got up and talked about his everyday life, uh, which we all, you know, nothing, there was, it, he, he was a musician and different things. And then he shared with us that his uh, son was one of the, the children killed in Sandy Hook. Again, just, entered, just the, the air sucked out of us as we're, we're looking at this couple that are dealing with that level of loss and, and what, the, what they have done to move forward. All things that have come because we gathered for Antigone and Ferguson, which is just a blessing that this is a platform to have that, that kind of gathering. Um, 
Okay, so I want to save a few minutes at the end for Beth to do a wrap-up. Um, uh, Captain, Durant, and DeAndrea, does anybody have a final comment uh, that you want to give before we get off? Durant, was that you hitting on mute? Okay. Uh, Captain, you got something to say? Okay. DeAndrea, you good? Okay. Um, well, I want to thank you three, and Matt, actually, for uh, jumping on here and helping to support this, uh, this conversation. Um, we are really, um, we hope we've sparked your interest for the show. <laughs> and uh, more importantly, we hope we've sparked your interest to keep digging and looking for the resources and the things that you need um, to have this conversation in a thoughtful way um, and spread this good news across the country. As you know, as, as the captain was saying, uh, these are the conversations we need to be having now. And the thing, I don't, I don't want to get on too big of a platform here, but the thing that as a as a as a black man that I'm struggling with and I'm grappling with is um, I understand that everyone is passionate about this right now. Everyone is protesting right now. Everyone is speaking their truth right now. Everyone is posting on social media right now. But my heart bleeds because I want to know. I want to fast forward two months when the social media wave when the media wave has moved on to something else to see if this is still going to be a heavy part of the conversation so that's where my heart is and my uh pessimism in the situation i just i pray that this is the time that we start to invoke change but the dismantling that needs to happen to really get that change to happen is is paramount and um i just i hope that this is a time to start all of those conversations and get those things to happen and that is my prayer um, in this situation. Um, I, I'm thankful for um, a George Floyd that um, was able to spark uh, a movement of this size, but nobody should have to die to have this conversation. That, that's not a part of our culture. It's, it, shouldn't, it shouldn't have to happen. And so I'm just really toying with a lot of things right now. And I am thankful that there is something such as an Antigone and Ferguson that you can sit down and, and have those honest conversations and, and, and air those, those, those opinions and feelings out in a, in a productive way. Um, I'm in conversations right now with my co-collaborator, Brian Dorries, about creating a virtual model of Antigone and Ferguson. The ladies don't know this because you haven't received a magical email yet. Um, but we are looking to bring something uh, virtual, quasi-virtual to St. Louis on the anniversary of Mike Brown's death, August the 9th. Um, I'm collaborating with uh, Mike Brown Seniors Organization um, and uh, reaching out to a few other affiliates to kind of get on. They have a schedule of events that um, um, Leslie and Mike do uh, throughout that, that day, and we're going to see if we can put a virtual uh, presentation of Antigone and Ferguson um, in that. Um, I don't want to give too much information, but I will tease it and say we're trying to make this a national conversation. We're trying to get enough um, of a of a, um, um, a media engine to support streaming this across the country. Um, the Brooklyn Public Library is on board to stream this on the side of their building so people can watch it outside. And so we're trying to make sure this is in multiple cities. Um, we're going to set up a choir here in a safe social distance way in St. Louis um, in an outdoor space. That's all I'll say. And um, uh, have our actors streaming from home. And so we're trying to really create this model that we can do um, a very powerful virtual model of this um, by um, the anniversary of, of Mike Brown's death. Um, and then to use also um, in the fall is our next steps. Um, I'm working heavily with the state of Virginia right now. 
to put together a project that's really going to speak some truth and also give um, a voice and a spirit to um, our ancestors and really discuss slavery in a very authentic and um, a very revealing way to share the names of these people that have been um, scrubbed from our history um, and that are not talked about in schools anymore. Um, it's been a, a little bit of my mission over the past year. Um, and so I'm gonna be working in 2021 to get another project together, original music, original um, uh, uh, text through some of the stories that we're going to be sharing together uh, to put something up in Virginia in 2021. Um, and then I also just want to briefly announce that um, I'll be co-collaborating, uh, producing with a Shakespeare Festival here in St. Louis, my first big St. Louis um, uh, undertaking. Uh, we're gonna be putting on a production of Pirates of Penzance also in the early uh, months of 2021, and we're hoping um, I will be working directly with Captain Allen uh, to involve law enforcement in that, in that venture. Uh, we want law enforcement involved in there. And we also are going to be working with Chris Limber, a, a phenomenal artist here, uh, to get formerly incarcerated people that are trying to be reintroduced into the community that are performers to be a part of that as well. And in that collaboration, we will have law enforcement that are playing pirates and formerly incarcerated people that are playing law enforcement. How crazy is that going to be? Um, and to start this collaboration and a conversation around that as well. Uh, so that'll be my uh, next big gig here in St. Louis. Um, and then all things Antigone, you know, the sky's the limit. I'm really trying to get to the finish line with uh, publishing uh, my music. Uh, we are, we work really hard to get a cast album together and I fall a little bit short each time and now we're dealing with COVID, but um, I'm hoping that we can get a cast album together for the show uh, very soon. Um, I'm on the fourth draft of my book. Um, I was actually inspired, Beth, thank you so much for this conversation. I've added a few things uh, that kind of were sparked in me. I took a few notes last time that um, I put in this latest draft and I'm hoping to get to the finish line that uh, with that uh, by the end of the summer. Um, I have a blog that came out on my work with American for the Arts. Um, I guess it was a couple months ago and they're gonna help me to promote the book. So I'll make sure there's links up when the book is ready to go. That's something that interests you. Um, I'm really working to have even discussion questions so that you can um, really soak in the material in the book and then sit down and have some thoughtful discussions um, in small groups as well. Um, so that's a little bit that's going on with me. Um, I do want to uh, thank, uh, just before Beth wraps up, thank DeAndrea um, and Durant and Captain Allen for taking uh, this time out of your day to help support the conversation. I don't know if Matt's gone, uh, but thank Matt as well. I'll text him <laughs> when, when this is over. Um, be looking out for our next virtual choir. Uh, we're going to try to get it out by the end of the month um, to put a little, put a little more sunshine um, in our communities as we're going through um, so much trauma. Okay, Beth. All right, well, um, thank you so much, Phil. Um, I'm gonna talk about you for just a second before we close. I really wanna thank Captain Allen for uh, making time for this in your 12 hour days and for um, sharing your thoughts. I, I'm certain that everybody on this call and probably thousands of people would agree, your voice is one that I would love to hear more often not only in a choir, but what you have to say. I'm, I'm so moved by you and um, I would follow you anywhere. And I really appreciate you sharing, even though it's not necessarily, um, even though you're, you're taking time to share this and you could have held that to yourself. I really appreciate that. And I know people on this call do. Durant's Blaylock, um, 
wait, I can't wait. I want everybody to see the link to the virtual choir singing I'm Covered and the podcast, the first podcast, we need to put that in chat, shares Duran's telling her very powerful story of that song. And then some little bit of fun because at first Phil thought he might sing it. And, <laughs> and how it really became her song. And, and DeAndrea, um, what a facilitator you are and your words are beautiful. And you... I know that you shared with Phil, this is really hard um, to take the time out of the right now and to come and to share your stories. And I appreciate that you did this. And we will share this podcast as widely as we can so that your time was used really well. And thank you so much to each of you. And to Matt Craig, wow. I mean, another incredible, look at the group that you brought together, Phil. And that's, that's you. And Matt Craig really shared some beautiful thoughts as well and gave us a sense of what it was to be like, you know, he's sort of like, what's happening here, you know, and, and, but here's what I'm thinking. Uh, so the Ignite Method, this is a Get Ignited call. The Ignite Method is about discovering your genius so that you can actually be more and live up to your potential, live the life you were intended to live, be more inspired. On these Get Ignited calls, we find people like Phil who are so ignited. And then we try to we listen to them. And for people who are stuck in their lives, for people who want more inspiration, that this can be a spark. And, and this conversation with you as our special guest, um, DeAndrea Durance, Captain Allen, um, you have sparked us so that we can not only move forward in a way to create a tomorrow we can all be more proud of, but also that we can become who we're intended to be, the best version of ourselves. So um, if you are interested, please follow the Ignite Method on Facebook or Instagram because we're going to have more that we're sharing and we're going to have more of Phil. Sometimes I take walks and all I talk about for the entire walk is what is it about Phil Woodmore that is so special? And each of you will agree, Phil should be really get used to the spotlight. And it's really amazing at this young age, that you are using all of your talent to create experiences that transform lives, not just to entertain people. We know you can entertain people. I've seen what you can do through um, your, so much of your work. My kids have been a benefit of your talent, have benefited from your talent. Um, so, but to also use it to transform the way, we, the way we lead the rest of our lives and to help people heal. You are brilliant, Phil. Um, from my bottom of my heart, thank you for taking the time on this call. Thank you for listening to this Get Ignited conversation. To join us live for future conversations, please follow us on Facebook or Instagram at The Ignite Method, where we share stories about people who are fully ignited. Let us help you discover your genius. Your genius.